As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. Our doors are open once again, and we are now able to offer a said service of Holy Communion each Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. But these online acts of choral worship, which draw upon archive recordings of our choir and congregation, combined with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons, will continue each week so that you can enjoy the full wonders of our amazing choral tradition until such time as we can sing once again. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins.
It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this, the twelfth Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy Lord. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou then, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind. In Christ Jesus our Lord, and grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament reading is taken from the second book of Kings, chapter 6, beginning at the twenty-fourth verse. And it came to pass, after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host, and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it, until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight, to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, and their horses, and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, and did eat and drink, and carried thence silver, and gold, and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again, and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came, and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night, and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive, and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and, lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, 
which the Syrians had cast away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now, behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
New Testament reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 18, beginning at the first verse. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent-makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justus, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptised. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul, and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names, and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
almighty and everlasting God, who art always more ready to hear than we to pray, and art wont to give more than either we desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of thy mercy, for giving us those things whereof our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I spent part of my summer break earlier this month here in central London. These days, it's my practice, whenever I have a holiday at home, to commit myself to going out every day and doing at least one thing that I have never done before. And it was on one of these staycation jaunts a couple of weeks ago that I chanced upon the grave of the man whom the Church of England calendar commemorates today. I had gone to visit Bunhill Fields, the famous burial ground that, despite being within walking distance of here, I had never visited before. It was set up as a graveyard for those who in their day were designated non-conformists. And there, alongside memorials to such famous figures as Daniel Defoe and William Blake, is the grave of John Bunyan, who died on the 31st of August, 1688, whom the Church of England commemorates today. Bunyan is, of course, best remembered for his spiritual classic and allegory of the Christian life, The Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan was born in Elstow in Bedfordshire in 1628 and educated at the local village school. During the Civil War, he ended up serving on the parliamentarian side in the county militia. A personal religious crisis in 1648 brought him to the brink of despair, but he emerged with a renewed sense of Christian commitment and a profound sense of his calling to preach and to draw others to the faith. As a result, he was imprisoned on a number of occasions, most famously in Bedford Jail. I can remember as a child watching an animated version of The Pilgrim's Progress on television and finding it absolutely gripping. Because Bunyan shared an insight that is common to most ancient cultures, namely that very often the best vehicle for exploring the most significant issues in human life is that of story. Indeed, when eventually, many years later, I came to read The Pilgrim's Progress as an adult, I was struck by the very thing that has ensured its status as a classic, namely the fact that much of its wisdom really is timeless. Take, for example, Bunyan's allegorical account of the experience of despair, something that was all too familiar to him on a personal level. In A Pilgrim's Progress, the central character, Christian, the pilgrim, and his travelling companion, who is called Hopeful, unwittingly trespass upon land belonging to giant despair. The giant captures them and carries them away to his home, Doubting Castle, where he throws them into a dank and terrible dungeon. There, they are deprived of food and water and savagely beaten. The giant despair taunts them. 
He tells them that they will never escape and urges them to end their own sufferings by taking their own lives. Left alone in the dungeon, Christian and Hopeful debate what to do. And Christian, who feels personally responsible for getting them captured in the first place, is sorely tempted to follow giant despair's advice and commit suicide. But Hopeful urges patience. Who knows what might happen if only they can endure just a little longer. Yet their trials are far from over. The giant issues threats that are ever darker and subjects them to further beatings. He even goes so far as to show Christian and hopeful the remains of previous pilgrims who had fallen into his clutches. Nevertheless, despite all of this, Hopeful always manages to keep alive a tiny spark of hope so that Christian never gives in completely. How interesting that Bunyan personifies despair as a terrifying and powerful giant. I suspect that most human beings have at some point during their lives, if only momentarily, experienced despair by which I don't mean feeling sad or fed up. I'm talking about that overwhelming sense of being at the mercy of a force that is far more powerful than you are, against which you feel utterly helpless. An experience that leaves you feeling that there is no way out, that you are trapped as if in a dungeon. And even if you could escape, would there be any life worth living beyond the present misery? At such times, the world can seem a bleak, hard, alien place in which you feel lost and alone and powerless. Little wonder that for a tragic number of people each year, the only escape that seems open to them is that of taking their own lives. And of course, a particularly terrible feature of despair, as Bunyan observes very astutely, is that just as you feel that things cannot possibly get any worse, sometimes they very often do. In the Pilgrim's Progress, it is the little glimmers of hope that enable Christian to survive. And it is at the very darkest moment of all that Christian and his companion, Hopeful, kneel in prayer. They pray continuously from midnight until daybreak, when Christian has an unexpected moment of revelation. He discovers that throughout the whole time that they have been in Doubting Castle, he has held within his heart a key, a key that can unlock any of the castle's doors. The key is called promise. Bunyan's account is, of course, extremely stylized in its allegory, and many would doubtless dismiss it as being overly simplistic. And yet, and yet, I cannot help but observe 
that it is also the case that very often the prisons in which we are held captive prove to be ultimately of our own construction. The key to the way out really does reside deep within us. And also, strange though it may seem, but as I know from personal experience, a sustained period of prayer really can change one's perspective just enough to enable one to glimpse that one liberating truth and so start to discern a way forward that eventually leads to the way out. Some of the greatest and most moving testimonies to the power of God in bringing hope out of despair are to be found in the Psalms. And I shall leave you with the closing verses of one of the most famous of them all, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.
Let us pray. Holy God, you refuse to be bound by any constraints our limited vision would seek to impose. Transform the poverty of our faith by the riches of your grace. May your church be an instrument of blessing and release. We pray especially for the leaders of your holy churches. Amongst them, Justin, our Archbishop, Sarah, our Bishop, and Alison, our Rector. We pray also today for the United Church of South India, for Dharmaraj Rasalam, moderator and bishop of South Kerala, for the church in Turku in Finland, and for Tapio Luoma, archbishop. In our own diocese, we pray for all retired priests, particularly those serving in the Edmonton area. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Our prayer. Holy God, we pray for all who take counsel for nations, for governments and local authorities, for all whose decisions affect the lives of others. We pray also for journalists, and particularly those who are in harm's way in the course of their duties. We pray that justice and righteousness may prosper. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our prayer. prayer. Holy God, you refresh the face of the earth and your people. Pour out your Spirit on all in need of renewal and Sabbath rest. Restore us in your loving mercy. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Holy God, you know us before our birth and hold us through all our days. Be with all whose spirits are weak and who seek to be set free from their ailments. We remember before you those in our parish community who are in need at this time for any others known to us who we remember in the silence of our hearts. And for all who suffer in body, in mind or in spirit. Bring us to rejoice in the wonders of your healing touch. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Holy God, you judge the hearts of all with truth and mercy. Look with compassion on those who have died. We remember before you the recently departed and those whose years mind comes at this time. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord, and may light perpetual shine upon them. May our praise be always of you and our hope in your saving love. 
Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We commend ourselves and all for whom we have prayed to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for the sake, for the sake of, of thy Son, our Saviour Jesus, Jesus Christ. Amen. peace of God which passeth all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. <laughs>